and welcome to Pasifikawa. With Christmas just around the corner, and as we prepare to say goodbye to 2021, which has sometimes been a challenging year as the country and the world grapple with the COVID-19 global pandemic. However, we look to the future with optimism and hope. And on the hope that the first report Te Rautira, into the well-being of people in Aotearoa, New Zealand, that was released last week by the New Zealand Mental Health and Wellbeing Commission. Te Rautira signifies the commission embarking on a journey to understand the well-being in Aotearoa. We're very fortunate this morning to be joined by key leaders in our community in this sector who played a huge role in Te Rautira. We have with us the Chair of the Expert Advisors who reviewed Te Rautira, Sharon Shea, and also Jemima Tiatia Seath, who was appointed to the inaugural Mental Health and Wellbeing Commission and was also one of the sixth panellists on the New Zealand Government 2018 Mental Health and Addiction Inquiry. We say to you both, very good morning, Talofalava. Kia ora koutou. Thank you again for this opportunity. Uh, I guess first off, the report, um, I did my very best to try and read it and soak it in, and it is ex- excellent and insightful. But can I ask uh, you both, um, how does one make sure all the messages in this report get out to the, the wider community? Yeah, Jemima. Oh, um, I guess it's knowing your community for a start and, and being able to adapt that report in different situations because obviously it is very malleable and however people take that up is entirely up to them within their environment um, and it speaks to all New Zealanders but what's really poignant about the whole report is that you feel a real deep deep reflection of Taumali and um, efforts to help more underserved populations including Pacifica peoples. Kilda, yes, um, I, I totoko what Jemima has said. Um, tina koto katoa ngā mahi nui, ngā mahi aloha ki a koto ko waio, uh, no ngati rangi nui, ngati hawa, ngati hene, ngati hakuaho. Ko Sharon Shea toko ingoa tina la koto katoa. Well, what a great pleasure to be here, uh, uh, Gladys, and um, thank you very much for the opportunity to call it all today. And um, to Jemima, always a a wonderful experience to not only see you, but also to hear your wisdom and intellect. So ngā mahi nui ki a koe, te rangatira, Jemima. Um, thanks. Um, in terms of that kōrero, I, I agree with Jemima in terms of um, how do we get the messages across. One of the important things that we discussed in the Wellbeing Commission, um, and as part of my role in terms of chairing the expert advisory group, Although, to be honest, I don't really know how expert we were, but anyway, <laughs> um, is that we need to enable people to see themselves, eh, to see themselves in this mahi, in this work. So um, whilst we have a tangata whenua and tangata tariti framing at the moment, we were very clear that we needed to have a Pacific People's Explicit framing as well so one of the opportunities moving forward is to develop a a view of the outcome framework that is very pacific people focused so that's another great way of getting the message across and um, that's on the cards for the commission um, to do in the new year. Kia ora. ora. Uh, In terms of 
the report. What does it mean to you both on a personal note, being part of this historic um, uh, journey towards mental health and well-being here in Aotearoa, New Zealand? What does it mean to you? I think it's an opportunity to expose what Māori and Pacific have always known, and that is well-being is so broad and it can be conceptualized through multiple lenses and through different eras in time and people bring with them their own experiences particularly for Pacifica those in the diaspora um, youth population um, and our growing our growing relationships and ethnic makeup with um so I think it provides a really good a firm platform to be able to springboard off in terms of what are Pacific or what are Māori worldviews around what well-being is. We've known this for like centuries, mm. since the end of time, what well-being means. All of a sudden it's become a thing, you know, and it's like, gosh, we've been doing this forever. But I'm grateful now that we're being asked, well, what is what does well-being mean to you? And it's just providing not different, because I don't think anything's different, but it just adds more strength, I guess, and perspective to mainstream, if not better it. Yeah, I, I total pull that cord at all for sure. For me, um, what I really like about the, the framework is that um, two things, and I mentioned it quickly before, is the tangata whenua, the respect for the tangata whenua view worldview, mātauranga Māori, as Jermaine said, like this isn't actually nothing new for us, <laughs> but in terms of, um, you know, broader understanding about what well-being means, what it means for whānau, not just the individual community and society. And we, we share a lot of common um, views and aspects of well-being with our, you know, Pacific peoples, um, our whananga from the Pacific, basically. So um, what I really like is that it privileges our worldview and our voice. And just going back to what I said before, I'm really looking forward to the Pacific peoples version of um, what well-being looks like for Pacific peoples, and I'm, I'm really thrilled about that. Um, the other thing is that uh, in terms of understanding well-being as a part of part and parcel of mental health, you know, mental health and well-being, so it's not about just one bit, it's about the broader, and we often talk about the holistic and stuff like that, which we all know is part of our DNA, basically. But I really love that, and I really love the opportunity for the Wellbeing Commission to actually shine a light on not just, you know, you know when a lot of people um, are, are classified as mad, bad, and sad, you know, <laughs> this is the complete opposite of that. Right. You know, we're awesome, we're going places, we're resilient, there's magic in our whakapapa in our history and shining a light on that as much as realizing yep we've got a bit more work to do in terms of enabling those who aren't well to get access to high quality services so it's that really nice balance strength-based solution focused privileging our voice I love it mm. and part of this of course that we bring to it as Māori as tangata whenua as pasifika is our languages Te reo Māori, our Pasifika languages. So just how important is this in terms of that communication of mental health and wellbeing? Oh, it's extremely, extremely important. And 
the fact that it's being recognised on, you know, within the sector is is transformative, because the research shows that when Muspika young people are connected to their languages, their culture, they have a strong sense of identity. You know, that's a protective factor, and and they find strength and resilience in that. And I think they go hand in hand. These, this is the language, our our, our mother tongue. <laughs> is the language of our ancestors and it's the language that will pass through the generations from beginning to, to our grandchildren that five generations from now, it will be the same language. We need to, I guess, uplift that and restore that and enhance that mana that comes with that. So, yeah, I think it's a beautiful move and I'm just so extremely um, appreciative that the, our minister... Um, and Ministry of Pacific Peoples see the value in in our government. And we don't feel shy anymore about saying, hey, I can speak my mother tongue. For me personally, I can't do that very well, but I'm encouraged to know that it's there. It's part of who I am. It's it's who we are. Yeah, I I definitely support that. And and again, another... um, piece of harmony between tangata whenua and pacific peoples is the value of identity and cultural connection and i agree with jamaima there's some awesome research now um, which we didn't have you know five ten years ago about cultural identity well-being and in, in, in our case tūranga waiwai being a protective factor but also an incredibly significant ingredient of our well-being as um and intergenerationally as well so you know picking up on the points of post-colonization trauma and the loss of language and identity and how important it is for the government and for um, those who are delivering services to acknowledge that that's actually a thing <laughs> you know 10 years ago the people were going what you know and um now it's becoming more and more recognized as, a, as an issue for us. But I just wanted to um, reflect some data in the report, which spoke a lot about uh, Pacific resilience and you know, the current state of Pacific wellbeing, but linked to cultural identity and um, the importance of Pacific people in terms of how they self-rated um, you know, being themselves. It was quite high, actually. Um, so how easy is it for you to, to be your self you know as a pacific person so 85 percent of pacific people said that it was easy to be themselves and i think that's absolutely fantastic in aotearoa new zealand and that was one percentage point higher um, than the um, general population so you know that's a really great strength for pacific people so the issue for us now is how do we invest in making that go from 85 to 86, 87, 90, 99%. You know, what is it that we can do as a system and across the government to really strengthen that um, that particular piece of data? Mm. And like you say, how do we invest with Pacific, but also how do we engage Pacific? Because the issue around, I shouldn't say issue, but with mental health and wellbeing, are we talking about it more? Are we comfortable? Are we getting there where it's just part of the conversation? I think, well, amidst COVID times, it has it has jumped somewhat up the priority list for lots of families, for lots of individuals. In my line of work at the university, that was one of the biggest challenges with our students was the mental health and well-being, the stresses, the having to leave school to work, um, be essential workers, 
and just the stress around that and being confined to potentially some dangerous situations within the home, you know. Um, so, yeah, that I think it has, the awareness around it has been lifted. The thing is, is how do we define it as Pacific peoples? The way we define it not necessarily aligns with, you know, Western it's like, you know, clinical types of frameworks that measure our well-being. It's completely off at times. So how do we then start reframing our own narratives? How do we, you know, where the statistics, they're true to a point until you do a deep dive and have the cultural nuances of what's impacting our Pacific peoples, then you'll, you'll get a true picture. So I think we need to start having the conversations of what it means to UN what it means to Cook Islanders, what it means to Samoan, Tonga, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think that's a start. I love that, Jermaine. Oh, we're talking the same language, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> we are both guests around the Mental Health and Wellbeing Commission. But, um, yeah, I completely total that. I, I think that, um, you know, what we, we often um, don't celebrate the fact that, um, you know, we have these cultural nuances and strengths which create the ability for us to bounce back from adversity and wrap, us, wrap our, ourselves around each other to Afi and to, to Manaki. So I, I think we need to acknowledge that more often. Um, but talking about the stress and, and the ability to have the conversation, gosh, I've seen such a movement um, over the last five years about that. And we've also seen this um, huge amount of you know, online tools and, you know, 0800 numbers. And um, there's been some magnificent work done by um, Pacific organisations who have really, you know, taken a strong leadership role and gone out there and said, hey, you know, it's actually quite normal to feel distressed, but we can actually provide and support and offer you with some tools and stuff like that. Don't feel, in, in our language, don't feel whakama, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, reach out. So, talking about the work of Lavar and and many others um, who have, uh, in a sense, um, created not just you know compassion and empathy uh, for others uh, through the mahi, but also an awareness and an acceptance that we're actually all human and we have emotions and it, and it's okay. But it's not okay for us to dwell in that. You know we can help each other and support each other and we can be there for you, yeah. And for me, I noticed with in my own family when we'd have Zoom conversations, we were quite comfortable, and I don't know if we would have been maybe 10, 15 years ago, to say, you know what, I don't feel great. I'm not enjoying, you know, this, uh, the lockdown. This is really getting to me. We felt comfortable to, to talk about it amongst ourselves and, we, you know, we offered each other in that way because we were like, yep, we know we're, we know we're safe. We know we're, you know, in a good place. However, today is just not the good day. So I guess in line with that, um, what can be learned by Māori and Pasapika attitudes to LGBTQIA plus compared with Western world or mainstream? Your thoughts? I happen to be on a Manalini project which has been um, funded by Health Research Council of New Zealand and headed by um, Dr. Patrick Thompson. And this is exactly what we're looking at. Again, privileging the narratives of Pacifica Rainbow or, you know, um, and that our our beings of intersectionality 
are not the same as Pākehā. It's not the same as Bālangi. Um, in fact, in some cases, it can be quite detrimental and it does sideline. So once again, redefining what the current narratives are and, and hearing from those with lived experiences, I think that's truly important. And, and the fact that now our country and the sector is recognizing the place of um, our rainbow communities is, is speaking huge volumes because their mental health well and well-being and, um, is hugely impacted, if not at least three times more impacted than say a cis or hetero type person or, or binary. Yeah, I took all that, and um, uh, the commission also wanted to, and and it's on their work plan to have a rainbow-specific corridor about outcomes and what that might look like within the context of the outcome framework here at Oranga. Yeah, so um, again, really looking forward to that, and you know, as as Jemima has said, you know, privileging the narrative, privileging the voice. I really think, um, you know, language is important and because language is a contributor to, it helps shape how we think, it helps shape how we practice. And I really value privileging the narrative of, um, you know, people who, 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 you know, have their own strengths, their own views and their own space and place in Aotearoa, New Zealand. So, so why wouldn't we do that? Because that's the type of country we should be. With uh, the Mental Health and Wellbeing Commission, um, you know, created, set up earlier this year, where to from here? A lot of work, uh, time, effort into the framework, now into this report, where to from here? Obviously, we're still in the um, infancy of, of the establishment and it has been a, a long road but very necessary and deep one it hasn't been tick boxy it hasn't been surfacy as we know as Martin Pacific we know good things take time and relationship building is key all the Tananoa around that before you even put anything down on paper so we're kind of at that stage but the vision has been set um, the as a commission or the board we are all in tune. Um, we've got key people on board. I mean, the fact that Sharon, Sharon is on board, you know, speaks complete volumes to this whole co-papa. So um, it's coming along um, and it's it's taking time, but it, I can assure you that it's it's comprehensive and robust. Jemima, yeah, um, I I'm an independent person, so I was I've been you know contracting in to support um, where where I could, and I, it's a real honour and a privilege actually. Um, and thank you, Jemima, for your kind words. I mean, there's it's there's such the Wellbeing Commission. It's such a joy actually to contract into the Wellbeing Commission for several reasons. One, um, Hayden's chairmanship. And um, the fact that he's very overtly, and so is the full board, committed to um, tiriti, to equity, you know, to privileging the voice of those who deserve the support that we um, can offer as a whole system and also as a commission. So, you know, that, that gives me a lot of joy to come and um, contribute whatever I can to this kaupapa. There were some recommendations in the report associated with 
look, let's get cracking. Let's, um, you know, support better outcomes across the whole system. Let's let's contribute to, let's, as in the commission, contribute to the implementation of the government strategy, which is Kia Manawanui Aotearoa, whole systems, outcome-focused, delivering, you know, services better. Um, new ways of working. What does that look like? Where's our innovation? How can we privilege whānau voice, community voice, Pacific people's innovation services, et cetera? Um, a really deliberate focus on wellbeing, not just on the service, that service, the service, um, making sure that there is better understanding about the determinants. So poverty, education, housing, employment, things like that. And um, just really calling on the government to seize the moment in terms of understanding the impact of COVID, how that uh, will uh, play out in terms of people's mental health and wellbeing. Um, and then there's some practical stuff like we've got to get better data, and Jemima talked a little bit about that. We've got to get data that is actually driven from a um, Fano voice, Pacific people voice, you know, what matters the most. Because at the moment, most of our data um, is quite deficit focused, like what's wrong, yeah. instead of, hey, actually what's right and how can we um, scale that up. So we did try and get a balance of that type of data, strength-based data, um, knowing that we, you know, we have to know what is not working, but we actually also have to know what is working. So there's some awesome data about the strength and resilience of Pacific communities in Aotearoa from, you know, self-rating, um, life satisfaction, you know, social connectedness. I'm actually always get a little bit um, <clears throat> positively um hi hi about the uh, connectedness of Pacific people whānau uh, and <clears throat> how faith has, has, you know, created the ability um, for that level of connectedness, uh, mairano, you know, continuing on and on. I, I actually really um, have a lot of admiration and respect for that. 69% um, <clears throat> of Pacific people reported they were seldom lonely. That's absolutely fantastic. And also that there was someone to talk to when you were feeling, you know, people were feeling down. 68% um, of Pacific people reported that there was someone they could talk to. So those are all awesome results. And now we need to support and affi those even more. And I think the takeaway for me is that the Mental Health and Wellbeing Commission exists. It's here. You've walked the talk you're here, you've established, and there is a voice there for Aotearoa New Zealand. And on that note, as we're leading into the holidays, into 2022, can I ask you both, what's your message to our community, to our people who may feel they don't have anyone that they can talk to or have friends or family who are struggling? What would you say to them? I think I will speak to the people around them. Um, rather than the individual and to the people around the person that you see isn't you know isn't <clears throat> in balance <clears throat> you reach out to them you do the you do the running around you get the referral numbers you walk with them to the place you make the phone call for them you hug them when they need a hug you tell them every day how much you love them you tell them everything that they could live for and 
every all their strength. And I think when people hear that positive affirmation, it's a human response. When you hear that, and when you hear it from your loved ones, you know, you are just fueling a positive fire. And so I think we are all accountable to be able to look, you know, put that kōrāwai of care over our family members or our friends or workmates. So I speak to everyone. Yeah, kia ora, Jemima. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Reach out, reach out. Um, and, you know, there are multiple ways that you can do that. Obviously, you know, to those close in your network, friends, families, a trusted advisor, um, you know, anyone who you think can um, give you that affi, go for it. You know, we're all human. We all have emotions. We all We all have good and bad days. But know that... You're worth it. You're loved, um, and you know you're valued. So, so reach out, reach out. Yeah. Dr. Jemima Tiatiasith, Sharon Shay, um, our heartfelt thanks to you both, and congratulations to you and your team. We look forward to 2022, learning more about Terautira and the work that we can do uh, as a community uh, for the. The journey in the betterment of our mental health and well-being Aotearoa New Zealand. We say Malo Fafatai. Thank you so much. Malo Lava Fafatai. Thank you, Gladys. And just one shout out to my Fangai Fijian sons. So uh, one of my best friends for years and years uh, is Emma Volavola. She lives in, in Sydney. She has two beautiful boys, um, Ben Volavola, who plays professional rugby. He's a Fijian rugby player, but also has played around the world. And Milan Volavola, they're my two Fangai boys. So I couldn't end this interview without acknowledging how much I love them and how special they are to, to our family. Absolutely, and wishing you all the very best for Christmas. Here's to a brighter and better 2022. Malo Fakitai. Malo Thanks for listening. Visit our website at www.pacificawire.com. We welcome you to like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, follow us on Twitter, and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can listen to the full podcast on Spotify. But for today, my ear manuia.